Go podcast is brought to you by The Sanctuary. For more information, please visit www.thesanctuarychurch.com. Pastor Marty Walker, I'm the senior pastor, the lead pastor, the big dog. I don't know what they, I don't know what they call me behind the closed doors, but, uh, but, uh, but I'm glad you're here. And uh, we are, we are a community of believers, believing in Jesus, and and how do we walk that out? We're stumbling through that walk every day. We're trying to figure this thing out, and so we gather together on the weekends, and we come in, we start reading the Bible, and go, oh, that's what that says, right? So I'm going to be starting a new series today. It's called Stewardship, and I'll get into that. And you're like, oh, man, stewardship really, it's, it's more than money, okay? So let's just start there. I'm going to start with Stewardship 101, so we're going to get to the basics. Uh, the problem with the series that I'm launching today is that throughout all these teachings, I'm going to be using a Christianese word, right? It's, it's a word that doesn't get used much outside the church. It's called stewardship. You know, it's part of this whole fleet of Christian ships, you know, that, that don't get used. You know, courtship and worship and discipleship. and It's all these words that only Christians use those words, right? But th- there's a part of this series that I want to I lay a foundation. So as we get going this morning, I want to lay a foundation for you. Um, an- another word that doesn't get used a lot for us, especially in America, is kingdom. Kingdom is a word that has kind of lost its understanding for us. It's a concept most Americans don't get because we live in a democracy, a republic. And so our justice is carried out through law, not through rule. So we, we pass laws and we say, here's legislation, that's the way that works. And it, we, we don't live in what's called a sovereign context. Here's a definition for sovereign. I, I want to show you. Oh, I'm sorry, I forgot to give you this. Stewardship, I apologize, uh, soundboard. Here's stewardship. I want you to get this because, uh, again, we don't get this understanding. I apologize. Thanks, guys. The position and duties of a steward. Now, right there, everybody goes, so we're on a cruise. Because that's the only place we use that word. Steward, that's the guy who makes my bed. That's when she comes and makes little flowers and a bird out of my towel, you know. That's what a steward does, right? Now listen, again, these are words that are lost on us in today's culture, in our culture. We don't get these words much. The steward is a person who acts as the surrogate of another or others, especially by, watch this, managing property, financial affairs, and estate. This gets lost on us. Again, because we're not living, here's the next word for you, in a sovereign context. Here's what sovereign is. Uh, next slide for me. Thanks. Now, now we'll get it. Next slide for me. There it is, sovereign. Here's a sovereign. Because we have a democracy. We live in a, a republic, okay? And so, but there are these sovereign contexts around the world where, watch this. One king can rule, and he's a king, and he goes, hey, in my monarchy, in my sovereign monarchy, I'm decided that everybody needs a pair of red shoes. And then he dies, and the next king gets up, and he says, red shoes are against the law. See, th- th- it, can, it can fluctuate. So it depends on whose ruling is where the rules are made. And they could be totally opposite rules. But a sovereign has total supreme authority. The problem for us, the conflict for us as Christians, 
is that we don't function truly, watch this, we don't really function in a democracy or a republic, and we don't function in, in one of these sovereign contexts either. We actually function in what's called a theocracy, where God is in control. Now listen, let me stop here. Absolutely, we submit to the rules of the land. You know, you got to do this, you got to do that. Yes, I, I'll do all those things. But we're, we're functioning under a supreme authority, that there's an authority above the authority that we're under. And so we believe God is that supreme authority, and God defines our lives. God dictates our actions. We're not focused, see, watch this, as Christians, we're not focused on our rights. That's Americans. As Christians, we're focused on our responsibilities, and that's very different. When, when you start looking at, whoa, responsibility versus rights, and a lot of us like to stop right at the rights. I have the right to free speech. I have the right to bear arms. I have the right to be right, 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 right. No, we have someone who's above even American government. We're under a theocracy. We believe God is controlling us. God is in charge of all those things. And here's where this comes. And this is a word that only gets used, again, only in church. The word Lord. In fact, we just sang it. And I, and I, I, hoped, I hoped to not disappoint a bunch of people who just got done singing it going, oh, I didn't know that's what that meant. <laughs> Blessed be the name of the Lord. Here's the definition for Lord. Because you've got to catch this. A person who has authority, influence, control, or power over others. We say it all the time, Jesus is Lord. Do, do you understand what that means? Blessed be the name of the Lord. He gives and takes away because he's the Lord. We understand this, right? And we go, well, if Jesus is the master, he's the chief, he's the ruler. Wait a minute. That changes this conversation altogether. Here's another, we're going to dig on this definition here. The person who exercises authority from property rights and own, an owner of the land, the houses, see, this is, this is a person who's in charge of it all, the Lord. Again, not a term we use in this context at all in America. But watch this, back here, we had sovereigns. We had a sovereign in Israel. We had a, a sovereign in Philist, the Philistine sovereign. We had Egypt sovereigns, right? We have all kinds of kings, all kinds of queens. We don't have any of that, so it kind of gets lost in us. But I want us to lay a foundation for stewardship that it's more than just money management. And I think we get lost in that. Most of the time, people go, oh, yeah, stewardship, it's about money. No, 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 it's about a lot of things. L let me start with a few questions here. What does stewardship look like in today's context for us? Since we're not living under a king, since we don't have lords over us, over the manor, right? And I, I rent out this little piece of the property over here under this lord who's under this king, right? Let me just ask you some questions. Has someone ever asked you to watch their kids? You say, hey, would you watch the kids for the evening, right? Ha, ha, do you manage an office or other people for an employer? Have you ever financed a vehicle, or are you currently in a mortgage situation for your home? Then you are, or have been, a steward. See, I'm a steward over my home. The, the home that I live in is not my home. It belongs to the bank. It should be paid off in about seven years. That will be mine. But right now, I am a steward over their property. So I'm taking care of their property, which means I have to paint their house, which means I have to take care of their roof, because eventually, hopefully very soon, that property will be my property. And I will now have made an investment as a steward in their property. I'm making an investment that will one day be mine. So it pays to take good care of that which I'm stewarding. 
You want to tell that to some of your teenagers who are stewarding vehicles who want a better vehicle, but they don't care of the one they've got, right? Okay. Now, listen, if we're answering yes to these questions, we're stewards. Many of us have been stewards over vehicles, stewards over different things that are brought into our lives. And in general, again, a steward is a manager. We're caring for something that belongs to someone else. So when a family member or a friend or employer asks you to watch over something, you're being a steward. That's what we're doing. In the Bible, stewardship is all about how we live. It's how we're living our life. In fact, the first verse in regards to stewardship is the first verse. Open up your Bibles to Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. It's the first verse in the Bible, and it sets in place everything else. This verse is about stewardship. Here it is. Ready? Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, period. That is the first verse on stewardship. Because as a creator, God has absolute ownership rights and authority over all things because he created all things. That's your first blank. You can fill that in. If you're using the app, fill that in on the first one. If you've got the hard copy notes in the bulletin this morning, as a creator, God has absolute ownership rights over all things because he made it all. If he's the creator of it all, it all belongs to him. And then very soon after, he goes, I want you to go take care of it. Chapter 2. He puts us in charge of it all. Everything in the Bible makes sense when you get this first verse correct. One verse. These one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten words. You get these ten words right, all the rest of it starts to make sense. It all, it all finds its place if we can get it into our heart. Then we begin to understand what the kingdom's all about. But we miss this all the time. And in, this is the picture I want to give you this morning. It's like misaligning the button on, on your shirt. You ever, you ever done this? You know, you have like a multi-pattern shirt or like a really, and you, just, you start with the wrong button and then you just continue and you get down to the bottom and you're like, where'd the extra button come from? <laughs> and then you look in the mirror and you're like, dope. Right? I've done that with like really a radically patterned shirt where I just grabbed a button and put it in a hole. Listen, I don't care how hard you try. The shirt will never be right if you don't get the first one right. You can, you can go, oh, I got an extra one. I'll just put it up here. Then you got this big bunch right here in the middle, right? Listen, I, I want you to understand something. If we don't get this first button right, nothing else is right. And I can't tell you how many Christians look like that. It's like, you're not getting the stewardship thing right, are you? <laughs> you don't understand that God's in charge of it all. The biblical doctrine of stewardship, this is your next blank, starts by defining our relationship to God. We better get this right. It identifies that God is the owner. I'm a steward. I'm the manager. That's what you're doing. We're administrating all aspects of our lives. That's all we're doing. This is his life. I'm just living it. Paul explains it best by referring to himself as one of God's workers. He says, he says, listen, you know, this person plants, this person waters, but we're all workers. He says, this is what we do. We work for him. And if we start with this concept, then we're able to accurately view and, I believe, correctly value not only our possessions, but more importantly, human life itself. I'm, ju I'm just one of the workers, man. In fact, at one point, Jesus said this. Watch this. He said, hey, the harvest is plenty. Pray to the Lord of the harvest to send workers. Guess who he's talking about? Us. The Lord of the harvest. Wait, if he's the Lord of the harvest and he tells us what to do and when to harvest, so, okay, we need to be workers. Oh, wait, I'm one of the workers. And it begins to work itself into us. 
if we start with this concept, I believe that we can, again, accurately view life, the rest of life, correctly. But if we don't, if we miss this, I think we miss a lot of it. In essence, and there's your next blank, stewardship defines our purpose in this world. God's assigning it to us. God is in charge. God is the Lord, right? He does all this. It's a divine opportunity that's been given to us to join God in a program that he's got going on. In fact, Jesus is finishing up his ministry, and he goes, hey, can I have a word with you guys? It's, watch this. I, I'm interpreting here. It's about stewardship. You've heard these verses before. I know you have, but I don't know if you ever heard them in, in regards to stewardship. Jesus gathers his disciples. He's about to leave. He's had his earthly ministry. It's come to a close. Crucifixions happen. The resurrections happen. And he gathers his disciples in Matthew. And watch what he says. He says this. Hey, listen, I need you to do something, stewards. Go and make disciples because you do remember that I'm the influencer. I'm the boss, applesauce, right? Here's, here's Jesus saying, hey, listen, if I'm in charge and you do what I say, let me tell you what I want you to do. Go make disciples. Everywhere, all nations, baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach the disciples how to obey everything I've given to you. All the commands. I want you to be sure of this. Don't be afraid. Don't get nervous. What am I going to say? I don't know what to No, just go. I'll be with you. Always, always, always. Stewardship isn't God taking something from us. It is God giving his best to us. It's God saying, this whole thing is mine, and I'm, I'm giving you stewardship over it. Now, in the New Testament, we're going to get a little deep here. In the New Testament, there are two Greek words that embody this meaning of stewardship for English when it comes out into English, okay? The first word is entropos, epitropos, which means manager or foreman or steward. And there are times in the New Testament where this word is used, epitropos, right? It's this stewardship word. And in, in Galatians chapter 4, I want to show you this one. Galatians chapter 4, Paul uses this word stewardship. And he says, listen, I, you need to understand this. And he says, I want you to think of it this way. This will have an understanding, right? Chapter 4, verse 1, Galatians. If a father dies and leaves an inheritance for his young children... Those children aren't much better off than slaves until they grow up, even if they had actually had everything that their father had, right? So the father leaves this inheritance, right? Watch this. He says this. They have to obey their epitropos, the stewards, because there's someone going, yeah, you're 12 years old. You can't have everything your father gives to you. You're only 12. But I'll tell you what, when you turn 16, we'll give you money for a car because I'm the epitropos of your father's inheritance, to you, the wealth that your father left for you, I'm the epitropos, I'm the, I'm the steward. So at 16, I'm going to give you money for a car. When you're 18, I'll give you some money, you can go to college. When you're 20, I'll give you some more money, you can do this. We, I've got it all outlined because I'm the epitropos. So he says, you've got to have a guardian until they reach whatever age the father sets. And then hopefully at some point the kid gets it. My kids are worried about who gets what nickel. You know, I got two of them. How do you split those among four people? I don't know. But, you know, we're going to work for it, right? The second word is oikonomos. This is the one that's used most often. Steward, manager, administrator. And it occurs more frequently in the New Testament. The oikonomos refers to the management of a household. Joseph, way back here in Genesis, was the oikonomos in Pharaoh's palace. He was managing a household. We see this happen a lot. It happens all over the Old Testament, all over the New Testament. 
Paul uses this concept to describe his responsibility for preaching the gospel. Look at this in 1 Corinthians 9.17. He says this. If I were doing this on my own initiative, that this was my own motivation doing this, right? You ought to be paying me. Watch this. But I haven't a choice because God has given me this oikonomos. I, I have to do this. I'm a steward of the grace that God has given me. God gave me grace, and now I have to give it to you. This, I can't get paid for this. I'm a steward. I'm an oikonomos. And so it's hard. And, and listen, please know, again, these concepts, are, they're sometimes very hard to grasp because we're reading it in English, and it just takes, listen, all this is available to you. I don't have any special books that you don't have access to. Uh, you can find out all of this in your Bibles. You get a good study Bible, you know, those big, thick ones you need a backpack for, you know, kind of thing. It's all in there. But see, we're stewards of grace. Did you, did you realize that? Has God been merciful to you? Then listen to me. It's not merciful to you. It's merciful through you. Some of you got that. If God has been gracious to you, then it's not gracious to you. It's gracious through you. But most often, oh, look at all this mercy. I thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Oh, you're so gracious to me. Forgiving things. Absolutely not. I don't forgive you. I mean, one of Jesus' most powerful parables is a guy who gets forgiven billions of dollars and then's choking some guy out for 10 bucks that he owes him. He goes, bro, you're not catching this. This is the parable. You've been forgiven much. You've got to forgive other people. See, we're in oikonomos, the sacred trust. I I've been given this responsibility. Paul refers to his call from God as a responsibility. Again, a stewardship of extending the grace of God. In Ephesians chapter 3, verse 2, he says this. I'm assuming that you know God gave me this responsibility of extending the grace, this oikonomos. I'm, I'm assuming you know that, right? That's what I'm doing here. God is the master of a great household. You can fill this in. Paul's just administrating as a steward. And now you and I are administrating this household. We're in this great house where Jesus said, oh, don't worry, there's plenty of rooms in my father's house. I've made room for all of you. Hey, <clears throat> are you making room for other people? He made room for you. Well, no, it's us four and no more. Right? We're all about growth in Santa Clarita. And once we get in, now we want slow growth initiatives. Too crowded now that I'm here. No, I should be able to build and do what I want. But now that I have done what I want, now we need to stop all that growth. No, if God made room for you, are you making room for others? And please keep in mind that the strength, the inspiration, how we live this life, all of it comes from God. Right? God's the one who gives us the grace to do all this. Philippians 4 says, hey, I can do all things because God gives me strength to do all things. That's what we got to get to. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Paul is talking again, verse 10. He says this, whatever I am now, it's all because God poured out his grace on me and not without results. The grace did something in me. It changed something in me. For I have worked harder than any of the other apostles, and yet it was not I, but God who was working through me by his, again, special favor. This special favor, this grace that God pours out on us, 
is to be then poured out on other people. Can I answer it? Oh, I was like, oh, I so want to answer it. It's a special grace. God gives us this special grace, but now it's supposed to be, okay, God's been gracious to me, I can be gracious to you. But again, what happens is I sell it short. God's been gracious to me, and then I go, no. Are we going to follow through on the way God would do these things? More often than not, we think of good stewardship. We think it's about how we manage our finances, and it is part of it. It's our faithfulness in bringing the tithe and the offering, right? Now, listen, the tithe, by the way, it's not, that wasn't my idea. That wasn't the church's idea right back here. You know, oh, we started building churches, and now, you know, we got to, hey, let's invent something so people bring money to church. It, it happened way back here in Genesis. Abraham tithed. And then Jesus, catch this, in the New Testament said, yes, you should tithe. That wasn't my idea. Jesus' words, yes, you should tithe. I'm like, okay, and essentially, if you don't know about that, the Bible says it talks about tithe is bringing 10% of our income to the kingdom of God. What? 10%? You give 20 to the waiter. Like that. Well, you don't even think about it. And they drop the extra 18% when you have a group at a, at a, at a table, right? We don't think, and God says, I want 10% of your income because I need to build the kingdom and I use my people to do it. This is part of the epitropos, oikonomos. This is how we work this. It wasn't my idea. In, again, Jesus is the one who said this. Yeah, we should do this. Oh, because that's the way the Lord, who's in charge, who dictates to us how we live our life, that's the way he says it works. And so what happens is, I have to get this mindset. This isn't my money. See, this is my money. I earned it with my job. God says, that's not your money. I gave you that job. Oh. That's not your car. I got you that car. Oh. So if this is his car, then I have to manage it like, watch this. If I'm a steward of his car, I have to drive it the way he would be driving. If Jesus drove that car, boy, we're not laying on the horn like we do, are we? <laughs> hey, here's, here's what happened. I was pulled into the gas station the other day, filling up my car with gas. And somebody came over and said, hey, man, can you fill up my gas can with gas? And I'm like, no. I went, wait, 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 this is God's car. God gave me this car. God gave me this resources. I'm filling up my car. Wait, wait. His car. And if Jesus was driving this car, if Jesus was pumping the tank right now, and if Jesus was asked, hey, can you give me five gallons? Jesus would go, put it down. So I said, put it down. It didn't, it, it didn't hurt that he had a really cool Australian accent. It was like, of course, might I give you gas? Right? But I'll tell you what, and listen, in this, this, this epitropos, this, this stewardship that I have, it's not just, it's not just here. Please, please know this. Paul's talking about, hey, man, I have to, I have to, I've been given grace. i got to spill the grace. And so if you've been around for any amount of time, you know, when I get back from vacation, I'm like ready to burst because i got to preach. I, I have to. There's something that's been put in me, and it got to get out of me. And it's not just here. Please know this. This happens at the grocery store, happens at the gas station, happens at the car wash. I'm just looking to build a common ground, a common conversation. You know, I don't stand at the car wash and go, okay, everybody wait for your car. You're doing a great job on your tires, by the way. Open with me today. I, I'm, not, I'm not doing that at the car wash. See, I walk over to somebody, I'm like, hey, man, how's it going? Man, these days are hot, huh? Not as hot as it's going to be if you don't receive Jesus right now. <laughs> I don't actually say it. I'm just kidding. I don't really say it. 
I don't, I don't do that. But, but I do. I start there. I'll start. I'll go, man, it's just been so hot. Oh, it's so crazy. And we'll talk until I try and find common ground so I can have a conversation with somebody. Because I realize that my car is not my car, that it's his car. And if he was driving it and I see somebody hitchhiking, this is for me. This is my assignment. I'm not putting this on you. My assignment is to go pick that person up. And years ago, I used to pick up anybody. In the culture I live in now, I don't pick up females ever. I used to pick up everybody. You need a ride? Oh, please, get me out of Santa Clarita. Anybody. And, and it's, always, it's always this way, and I've shared this with you. I, I get them here in Canyon Country, and they want to go to the, the warehouse district in Valencia. I'm like, oh, that's all the way across town, said not Jesus, right? He goes, great, hop in. You want some air conditioning? And See, I'm a steward. I'm a steward. This is his property. Now, I'm hoping that you're seeing that stewardship goes beyond tithes and offerings, that involves the management of our time. It involves the management of our possessions, our environment, our health, and we're all stewarding this stuff. Stewardship, and this is, I want you to fill this one, is our obedient witness to God's sovereignty. Please, I want you to hear this. God is the sovereign. If he directs us, then that's what we do. I don't have a choice. The king called the shot. Either he has power and authority in my life, or he doesn't. But we'd better stop using the word Lord. Blessed be the name of the... I'm not saying it. Because he's not telling me what to do. He doesn't have authority in my life. I get to decide what I do with my money. Should I buy that car? Ask God. It's his money. Should I rent this house? Buy this house? Whatever. Get into this relationship. It's Listen to this. When I came to Jesus, I gave up my life. So this is not my life. It's his life. Lord, do you want me to do this with your life? This is you living in and through me. And so I got to start asking a lot of questions about things I put my hands to, stuff I make myself busy with. It motivates followers of Jesus. Stewardship motivates us to move into action. Our action is a direct, what we do is a direct result of what we believe. Please know that. What we do is a direct result of what we believe. Some of you knew it was daylight savings today, and you're like, oh, I forgot to set the clocks forward. I can still sleep in a little bit longer. Your actions were dictated by what you believed. You knew the time wasn't right. See, we, that's what we do. I want you to hear this, please. What are your actions saying? What are my actions saying? Stewardship defines our practical obedience as administrators. Everything that God has entrusted to us. It's setting apart not just myself, but all the possessions that I have. They're, they're God's possessions. They're for his service. And this is your last blank here. Stewardship acknowledges in practice that we don't have right of control over ourselves or our property. God has control of all of that. Faithful stewardship means that we acknowledge once and for all that we are not our own, but we belong to Jesus. We belong to the Christ, the Christ who saved us, who rescued us, who gave himself up for us, who, who now, here's the big question. The big question, I gotta ask it, and we, we have to ask this of ourselves. I'm asking you to ask yourself, as I'm going to say it in first person, I want you to ask yourself in first person, am I the Lord of my life? That's a hard question. 
Or is Jesus the Christ the Lord of my life? Does he tell me who I can date? Does he tell me how I can spend money? If he is the sovereign, if he is the Lord, as we understand him to be, he gives the influence to what I do. And many people are here this morning struggling with the stewardship of health, struggling with the stewardship of relationships, struggling with the stewardship of finances, struggling with the stewardship of all kinds of things. The environment, listen, there's a reason that I recycle, not because I'm a tree hugger, but because I have stewardship over the environment around me. I don't collect cans and glass bottles and separate it all because, well, you know, make some money. Well, that's not bad. Ten bucks every couple of months or something like that, I think you take it in, right? Because I'm a steward of the environment. Because all this garbage that could be recycled, and listen, don't get, I'm not going to get into the argument about what's happening in recycling in America. But see, I shouldn't fill the landfills with this if I could actually reuse it. I've I got to be a steward. And so for me, I, I, I don't go through the water bottles. I, I, I keep refilling this water bottle because that's good stewardship. But please understand, it's more than money. And when I go, if this was the Lord, what would he do? How would the Lord respond in this situation? The Lord. I'm using this phrase purposely. How would the Lord handle the situation? What would he say? What would he do? How would he handle it? How would he, how would he interact with these people? If the Lord was at the car wash, what would he do? He'd go sit in a corner and get on his phone and start playing games and make sure you don't talk to anybody. No, the Lord would strike up a conversation with somebody. Hey, what's going on? Again, I'm uh, gas pumping. These are places where the Lord convicts me. The grocery store, buy their groceries. <gasps> but I only have this $20 bill. And all of a sudden it goes, your total is $18.58. I'm like, gah! So, okay, here, pay, pay, here, do it, done. That was my, that was my, watch this, that was my fun cash. Dang it! I was, I never should let my wife send me to the grocery store for the creamer. Because <laughs> now I just spent my fun cash. But see, if he's Lord, he says, I want you to do this. Okay, I'm going to do it. And it's not all the time, but it's often enough because he knows I got a steward right there. And then what happens? It happens all the time. I end up getting 40 bucks somewhere else. It gets replaced. I'm like, whoa, I wasn't ready for that, and now I got 40 bucks in my pocket. I'm like, how'd that happen? He, he just said, listen, I just need somebody I can funnel this stuff through. I don't, I don't buy their groceries so I can get more money. I just do it because he tells me to do it. I, I didn't buy the gas. Man, five gallons of gas, that's expensive these days. On top of, I was filling my own tank. I even went home and told my wife, I said, hey, by the way, babe, I saved the receipt because it, like, it was like $70 or something like that to fill the tank. And like some of you are going, I do that like three times a week. <laughs> but, right? I was like, babe, it was like 70 bucks, but I want you to know, I had to end up buying somebody else gas, and it was like, whoa. Listen, it's because the Lord said, did you buy them? Yeah, buy them gas. Okay. Our stewardship expresses our obedience to God. If he is Savior, if he is the Christ, if he is Lord, then we understand that my life is a stewardship. My life is a stewardship. My relationships is just stewardship. Let me pray for us.
I'm thankful, Father, today that we get to come before you and worship you in spirit and in truth. That's my desire right now, to realign my head and my heart. We've read your word about your love for us, your care for us, and the job that you have assigned to us as creator of all things. It all belongs to you. We're just using it for a few short years. Lord, teach us to be stewards of where we live, our environment, around our home, in our home. Teach us to be stewards of our, our vehicles, our relationships, our health. I've got to be a better steward of my health. Help me, Father. I pray that as we worship you this morning with these songs, it's an expression of our heart to you. And we are grateful for all that you have entrusted to us for the short amount of time that we're here. Let us be good stewards. Let it be so in Jesus' name. Let it be done. <laughs>